0: Well hello and welcome to the Darren Clarkson King podcast. I'm Darren Clarkson King, normally Himalayan whitewater kayaker, spending a lot of times messing about, running expeditions in the Himalayas, Nepal, India, Bhutan, but now I'm not, I'm in the UK in Snowdonia, North Wales, very nice, Covid times. This week is normally the week I would be landing in Kathmandu, and it's the week I've landed in Kathmandu for the last two decades. But I'm not there now, I'm not walking through the streets of Tamil or Buddha, I'm not eating Dalbat, I could cook some Dalbat couldn't I, but I'm not eating Dalbat in Takali Kitchen and I'm not having momos with our friend Krishna and I'm not drinking chai with Dorje, I'm in Snowdonia and I'm talking to you guys on a podcast and I'm drinking mint tea and that's alright. Yesterday, me and a friend, Dr. Amy Beer, went for a walk to a river. She's researching a book about rivers, and she asked me to join her for some research. Really nice. We walked down into the river. And for those that know where I live in Snowdonia, you need rivers walking distance from me house. And if you don't know where I live... I'm not going to name the river, I'll just talk about it and you can use your imagination and that would be really nice. And as we walked into this river, with all the mosses on the rocks and the little pools of water, the sunlight shining through the trees, we were discussing many things We were discussing the need for adventure, the need for the natural world. We were discussing how some people put a price on the natural world. And we walked down. We spoke about how we plan adventures. And how I'm notorious for planning adventures on the back of an old envelope. and Some people plan extensively with... Risk assessment matrices and matrices, is that even the word? Matrices, I guess. Matrices, risk assessment matrices and points of contact and, you know, different people operate differently. And we spoke quite a lot about what is a quality experience. Now, for me, the aim is is not important, the journey. Is important. So, some people that operate within the outdoor arena, maybe in a, 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 a recreational kayaker or a hill walker or a semi-professional or professional in the outdoor industry. Lots of them work on the aim as the end goal. The aim is we will summit Snowden. The aim is we. I will run this slalom in practice and i will beat my time that i had in practice a day before i'm a you know i'm going to go for a cycle and my aim is to beat my Strava time from previously but for me that's not really important for me personally the journey not the aim is the important bit how you get to point B, how you get to your, to the aim, to your objective. The objective doesn't really matter. If you don't meet your objective, then it's not the end of the world. Excuse me. And as we sat at the bottom of the waterfall, eating Welsh cakes, we watched a, a gorge-walking group come down. Two customers and a guide. The guide was lowering the customers off. The waterfall on a rope. And the rope was intentionally short. So that the customers sort of absailed, slid down the rope, I guess, lowered down the rope. And then they fell into the plunge pool. To whoops of enjoyment or <laughs> of coldness in the plunge pool. First customer comes down, now stands in the water. Second customer comes down, stands in the water. The guide then has to de-rig. And it takes that guide probably 20 minutes to de-rig and come down. But while this is all happening, a second group of gorge walkers is waiting on the same rock shelf to lower into that pool. Not the same company, second company. So you've got a gridlock of, of participants. Even though they're only small groups, there's a gridlock. Now, I'm going to use this as an example, but the example can go across the out, the outdoor arena. It can go across kayaking, it can go across hill walking, it can go across run, trail running and mountain biking and camping and all that sort of stuff. But the example sort of struck me yesterday. The aim, I imagine, for the participants in that activity is different from the aim of the operators. How do we mitigate that? I'm not saying I need answers. I don't know the answers. But how do we mitigate that? How do we, as people that are providers, mitigate the fact that the aim for most providers is a financial aim? The aim for the participants is the experience. Okay? They need to get value for money. is there value for money in the group b who are waiting on this ledge for group a to move on so they're now stood on this ledge maybe 20 minutes maybe more until group a move off and then they set up their rope system is that value for money is that meeting the needs of the participants is it meeting the objectives of the companies running that those sessions for me it doesn't it doesn't add up I know we live in a world where businesses have to make money I get it as somebody who runs a business myself you know you guys know about Pureland Expeditions but Pureland you know we value the experience over the money over the return so we will happily put extra guides on so that we don't get bottlenecks while guides are busy fixing ropes or Busy instructing on rivers where we know that they're busy rivers we just that just doesn 't happen we don 't bottleneck we leapfrog our uh, stuff like that i 'm not going to go into our business plan and policies and not on a podcast but it's it, i think it 's about where do we sit is it acceptable to put clients participants customers whatever terminology we use is that is it acceptable to bring people into a natural arena where they have very little really little skill and are relying on the guides and the coaches to get them safely down or to to understand the situation where they have no blueprint to gauge that experience against and then put them into a bottleneck Happens on Everest, doesn't it? We know this. You know, Bottlenecks happen on the this Step all the time. Happens on Snowden. Bottlenecks at the summit. Is that acceptable? Something else that came to mind, just by looking at the people in this gorge, is we all work on a leave-no-trace principle. And we all get the leave-no-trace principle, you know. Don't leave your Twix wrapper on the floor. Take it out with you. We, we get that. I understand that except now this is an interesting one we love the outdoors don't we we love it we love adventure it's what makes our blood flow around our bodies it's what makes our heart beat it's why we get up early on a weekend if we work in Monday to Friday 9 to 5 we get up early and travel to these beautiful places to explore to push ourselves to do it you know Things that are not sitting at home watching Britain's Got Talent. But when we were in the gorge, I noticed that there's quite a lot of erosion occurring where there's participants walking into this gorge and they're just walking over the same footpaths that are not really footpaths, they're just where mud's worn away because they're not participants. And then you've got in the gorge. Leave no trace principles yet. Somebody's bolted in ropes, drilled into the rock. I don't know how we mitigate. You can't leave your twix wrapper, but it's okay to bolt into the side of a cliff. And I'm not just saying this, Gorge. You know, it happens on climbs. It happens in kayaking, doesn't it? You know, we have we have lots of places where we have canoe access ramps or canoe portage leads. That are put in place to allow us as canoeists and kayakers to access and egress easily without hassle but without damaging the environment because our numbers are such that if people use a certain footpath at a certain, you know, with frequency we're going to damage it so it becomes concreted or it becomes uh, tarmacked or or whatever it may be and we, we end up with a a managed uh, access, negress points, we end up with managed facilities. And I'm sure this is the same for fishermen and mountain bikers and all that sort of stuff. Excuse me. And it's definitely the same for trail runners and walkers, where if you have one runner or one walker out in the woods choosing their own trails, there's very little. Environmental damage, but you have a walking group of ten or twelve people walking across that trail. The footprints and you know damage the environment. People don't tread as lightly when there's a group of people. People, a group of one or two tread quite relatively lightly. They watch maybe they watch where their feet are being placed. Maybe they watch where they sit when they have the lunch. But when you're in a group, that, 10, that doesn't happen as much because you're, people are too busy talking. I've noticed that in a group the same as kayaking when you're in a group and you're busy talking and taking the mickey out of each other you don't notice that autumn's on its way and that leaf on that tree that was green only a few weeks ago is now brown and you don't notice it change colour you don't notice it fall to the ground but when you're by yourself maybe you notice that excuse me Maybe you in a group and you don't notice that a jay fly past by yourself. You do. By yourself, you know that you walk with tender feet on that trail, because you know that that trail is not hard underfoot. It's soft underfoot, and that every footstep you make damages it, damages the ecosystem. Especially if you drop into temperate rainforests and you know triple SIs, drop into triple SIs. And yet, it's, you know, you're leading 100 people a day through by the time you know, everyone's got a couple of guests on a trip and there's a couple of recreational walkers in there or a couple of kayakers and whatever. And it matters, it all adds up, doesn't it? But the point I'm really trying to get at, and it is just a long winded way around of me talking about stuff, is the aim, the aim and the objective of an activity. For me that's not important, the the journey within the activity is the important, but that's where the growth happens, personal growth, and it is personal growth, as a kayaker, you know, in an ideal world we start at the top of the river and we get to the bottom, and that's a beautiful thing, and that's the aim isn't it, the aim is to get to the bottom, the aim may well be, as a kayaker, to learn some new skills. You know, it may be that the aim and your learning outcome, because you maybe you're on a workshop or, excuse me, i got a provider, you know, your learning outcome is to make Eddie B, C and D. You can make Eddie A, but you can make Eddie B, C and D. That's your learning outcome from there. That's what you're taking away. You won't know how to do that, you know. Maybe the aim is to go on an adventure holiday. And the aim is just to negotiate that with the help of guides. Maybe you write an article for a magazine. Maybe you're working with a film company or you writing a guidebook. All these things, all these things that have got... Maybe you're a sponsored kayaker or you aim to be a sponsored kayaker or sponsored outdoor athlete. And the aim, some somewhere along the line, the aim is to produce product You know that can be used by your sponsor, whether it be photographs or video footage or social media and i know the irony i know this podcast here i'm talking to you now and i will put it on social media so the aim of this podcast is to spread the word and buy social media but personally i don't see that that that's not the aim and the objective is not important if i never reach the bottom of the river it's not important if i miss those eddies not that important What is important is the journey itself. It's important when you leave the house on the morning. How do you feel? Do you feel flat? Do you feel buoyed up by the day ahead? Do you feel nervous or anxious? Excited? Scared? All those things. You drive to the river. Do you have music on? I never have music on when I drive to the river. But do you have music on? Does your heart elevate because of the music. Get a bit of northern soul on as you drive. and you know, You're know you going to be tapping your foot. And you're probably going to be driving over the speed limit. But when you get to the river. Where, where does your heart sit? Where does your pulse sit? What does your gut tell you? When you get changed. When you put on that dry suit. That bonus here When you get in that kayak. And you make that. Maybe you see a launch in. Are you being gentle not to damage the environment that you're getting in on? Do you you see a large off rock with moss on it, with rare species of moss? Maybe you don't know it's rare species of moss and you're damaging it, but polishing those rocks way more than the river flow does. You know, quite heavy-handed out these kayakers, outdoor people really. But, you know, the aim is not about an objective of getting down the river necessarily. You paddle on, you feel that cold water splashing your face. The balance as you move your boat from left to right. Do you keep your spine in line? Do you relax your hips? How tight are you ratcheting in that boat? I've decided that most of my boats recently have taken the back bands out. How tight are you? Can you wiggle your toes on your foot block? Do you feel when you're putting your weight over, say, the front quarter of your butt or the back quarter of your butt? Can you feel that rail catch and you move around that water? If you don't feel that, do you feel a little out of control? These are beautiful feelings, aren't they? Beautiful feelings. Do you get a numb leg and wonder why? Maybe it's down to where your hip pad's placed or the the way the seat sits or the way your footrest is. And you get in and you paddle down. It's not about what boat you've got. You can probably spend over a grand on a boat these days, or you can, if you're lucky, you know, you can go on eBay and get a cheaper boat, but make sure it's safe. Make sure, you know, it's got no wells in it or some damage and holes and, you know, it's got everything it needs airbags, you know, all that sort of stuff. And you get in and the sun, maybe the sun, is just casting shadows on the river. Maybe if the light is fading a little because it's getting late, perhaps, and you can't quite see. Maybe you wear glasses and you've got water on your lenses, you can't necessarily see your line. Maybe that wave that you really want to surf is actually a rock and you just can't see. But you navigate down that river. Maybe you miss a few eddies. But you smile. You might curse. You might surf that wave. You might get stuck in that hole. You chat to friends. Perhaps you don't chat to friends. Perhaps you're by yourself. And your mind goes off and dances with... you know, Maybe it dances with insecurity or dances with some demons from a previous trip. Maybe you've been scared on this river and now you're not. Now you're enjoying yourself. And you can look back at all those years you've paddled this section and how you've evolved... But that's not conscious, is it? It's not been a conscious choice necessarily that you've been on this river for five years and when you first started you couldn't make any of those eddies and you wouldn't surf that wave and you wouldn't talk to anyone because you were petrified. But now you're getting on and you're chatting to your mates and maybe you're surfing those waves, making those eddies and unconsciously you're noticing as the light bounces through the trees and puts cast shadows on the water and you're just moving around quite free and easy. But that, that wasn't a an objective when you first started on day one was it it's not really an objective now that you've advanced it's just a natural evolution of dedication to the sport dedication to the pastime and you dance and you, you know you, you, you boogie on down perhaps you never make the end of it the, the, perhaps you get out halfway down due to you know tiredness or maybe there's an incident or Maybe you just don't feel like you want to paddle on further. Maybe the light's fading or or anything. Could be a thousand things, and it water levels, all this sort of thing. So you get out and you get back to your cars. Now, some people in that situation, when they've got off early, got off a river before the end, get a little bit frustrated. And I'm sure we all know those people. And that's probably because the aim of their day, the objective of their day, was to descend that river. From hell or high water they were descending that river and those that get off with smiles on their faces they were probably more concerned about the journey itself about where it took them emotionally where it took them physically we don't talk enough about the quality of experience the quality of experience for me is different to you to the you listeners what i what i value in my adventures whether it be kayaking or trail running or Gorge walking, you know, bike riding, mountain climbing, camping. What I value, I guarantee you, is different to what you value. Now, there's probably a thousand academics that write about adventure sports and adventure research, where there's theory, and they, the theory talks about the practical aspects and what we should get out of these adventures. But the, you know, for me, it's all written in retrospect, isn't it? And the test groups that it's written about are not necessarily random test groups, yeah, but anyway, that's probably for a different podcast and you know I'd love to speak to somebody from one of these universities that offers an outdoor course and find out all this stuff because i I didn't do that stuff you know all my learning was i think they call it experimental learning, and all the stuff I value I value inside inter excuse me, I value internally. I value those days when I see the sun dark through the trees. I value the fact that today I got on a river that I've not paddled for a while. I was the first paddler on, and there was a rainbow. Just a a beautiful rainbow. All the colours vivid and visible. Nobody else on, just me. And I was making eddies on the nice Class 1, Class 2 section, in a boat that, It was made in 1996, with a set of wooden jimmy stick paddles, not that it matters. And I could see that rainbow as I was making these little eddies. That was a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. Then some friends arrived and we chatted, and we made some more eddies, and we surfed some waves, and it was beautiful. And then rather than stay on until late in the day, like everyone else, I got off just after lunch, not because I wasn't enjoying myself, I was, I was really enjoying myself, but I was happy with what I'd done, really happy, and it was time for me to just go away. Objective of the day, not to stay until four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, objective of the day was just to be happy, and that's a good thing, isn't it, just to be happy, how we qualify and quantify the experiences that we have, and the experiences we offer, and how there's a difference, and how we mitigate that—that's what this podcast's been about. I know after that, hold on. I'd love to hear more from you guys. I'd love to hear from people that are participants in the sport, that people like that are customers and clients, and instructors and guides. You know how to find me. You can email me if you want. Pureland Expeditions. You know that. You can social media question me and that'd be it. What I'd love to do is get a, a, a guide or an instructor on and we we'll do a podcast together. We'll talk about this stuff. We'll talk about maybe risk and we'll talk about plans of aims and objectives and holistic approaches. And that's awesome. That's brilliant stuff. But most of all, we'll talk about having fun. Thank you so much for listening. This has been 25 minutes just just around. And that's cool, isn't it? I'm going to go hang my stuff up on the line now to dry I hope you're having a great time, thank you very much for listening to me ramble, that's amazing, you know, be safe, Covid, still kicking about in it, we know that, Covid-19, st- still knocking about, obviously, don't go to school does it, I don't think, I don't think it goes to work, and I think it just waits outside the pub for people after 10 o'clock, so if you are drinking, make sure you get drunk about half past nine, anyway, I have a, have a cracking one, and I'm uh, shanty brothers and sisters, I'm shanty.